Good morning and welcome to the Friday, March 1st episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I am Wayne Floyd, your host. The Faith Comes From Hearing podcast is a podcast that is dedicated to scripture reading, um, Bible study, prayer, and devotion. The Faith Comes From Hearing podcast is a humble member of the Christian podcast community. You can find us over at christianpodcastcommunity.org. There's a lot of great listening over there. Over 60 well-curated podcasts, wide, wide variety of topic areas, all covered from a biblical worldview. My brothers and sisters in Christ over there doing a wonderful, wonderful job for the kingdom. So I would encourage you to go on over there and take a listen. I will guarantee you, you're going to find something over there you want to listen to. And there's a really good chance you're going to find more over there to listen to than you actually have time to listen to it in. All right. Well, so there's a reason I didn't say the morning segment. Um, I got to let you know, obviously I'm recording this on Thursday. Um, I will be out of pocket Friday and we're going to talk about that today. Instead of doing Bible study, I'm going to talk about that. We're going to, we're going to approach the topic. That's why I won't be around tomorrow. So, um, so, but we are going to do our regular, um, opening and closing prayer. We're going to do, go ahead and just do our morning devotion. Um, we're going to do our Bible reading and then we we're going to talk about the topic I want to talk about. Um, and we're going to talk about it biblically. I know I don't normally do this, but I am going to do this because it has to do with why I'm going to be gone tomorrow. Um, well, tomorrow, Friday, when you'll be listening to this. So, so you'll understand why, why I will be gone. Um, honestly, I'm probably going to step on some toes. I'm not doing that on purpose to step on toes, but I feel like this is something I've got to stand on, um, which is why we'll be out of pocket on Friday, March 1st. But let's go ahead, let's jump in, let's do our reading, and then we can get into that. So we're going to open up with the six day morning prayer. It's called the gospel. Let's pray. O thou most high creator of the ends of the earth, governor of the universe, judge of all men, head of the church, savior of sinners. Thy greatness is unsearchable, thy goodness infinite, thy compassions unfailing, thy providence boundless, thy mercies ever new. We bless thee for the words of salvation. How important, suitable, encouraging are the doctrines, promises, and invitations of the gospel of peace. We are lost, but in it thou hast presented to us a full, free, and eternal salvation. Weak, but here we learn that help is found in one that is mighty. Poor, but in him we discover unsearchable riches unsearchable riches blind but we find he has treasures of wisdom and knowledge we thank thee for thy unspeakable gift thy son is our only refuge foundation hope confidence we depend upon his death rest in his righteousness desire to bear his image may his glory fill our minds his love reign in our affections his cross inflame us with ardor let us as christians fill our various situations in life escape the snares to which they expose us, discharge the duties that arise from our circumstances, enjoy with moderation their advantages, improve with diligence their usefulness, and may every place and company we are in be benefited by us. Amen. All right, and our morning devotion, or daily devotion, we're just going to do, this is going to be the one we're going to do today, uh, from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening for March 1st. Um, the text for it is from Song of Solomon or Song of Songs, as I like to call it, 416. And actually a lot of people do, um, awake, O north wind and come thou south blow upon my garden that the spices thereof may flow out. Anything is better than the dead calm of indifference. Our souls may wisely desire the north wind of trouble. If that alone can be sanctified to the drying forth of the perfume of our graces. So long as it cannot be said, the Lord was not in the wind. We will not shrink from the most wintry blast that ever blew upon plants of grace. 
did not the spouse in this verse humbly submit herself to the reproofs of her beloved, only entreating him to send forth his grace in some form, and making no stipulation as to the peculiar manner in which it should come? Did she not, like ourselves, become so utterly weary of deadness and unholy calm that she sighed for any visitation which would brace her to action? Yet she desires the warm south wind of comfort, too, the smiles of divine love, the joy of the Redeemer's presence. These are often mightily effectual to arouse our sluggish life. She desires either one or the other or both, so that she may but be able to delight her, beloved with the spices of her garden. She cannot endure to be unprofitable, nor can we. How cheering a thought that Jesus can find comfort in our poor feeble graces. Can it be? It seems far too good to be true. Well, may we court trial, or even death itself, if we shall thereby be aided to make glad Emmanuel's heart. Oh, that our heart were crushed to atoms, if only by such bruising our sweet Lord Jesus could be glorified. Graces unexercised are as sweet perfumes, slumbering in the cups of the flowers. The wisdom of the great husbandman overrules diverse and opposite causes to produce the one desired result, and makes both affliction and consolation draw forth the grateful odors of, of faith, love, patience, hope, resignation, joy, the other fair flowers of the garden. May we know by sweet experience what this means. All right, our reading for today is numbers six and seven, and Hebrews, yeah, seven's pretty long, and Hebrews 13, which is the end of the book of Hebrews. So number six, hear the word of the Lord. Again, Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, when a man or woman makes a special vow, the vow of a Nazarite to dedicate himself as a Nazarite to Yahweh, he shall abstain as a Nazarite from wine and strong drink. He shall drink no vinegar, whether made from wine or strong drink, nor shall he drink any grape juice, nor eat fresh or dried grapes. All the days of his Nazarite vow, he shall not eat anything that is produced by the grapevine, from the seeds even to the skin. All the days of his vow as a Nazarite, no razor shall pass over his, his head. Excuse me. He shall be holy until the days are fulfilled for which he dedicated himself as a Nazarite to Yahweh. He shall let the locks of hair on his head grow long. All the days of his dedication as a Nazarite to Yahweh, he shall not go near to a dead person. He shall not defile himself for his father or for his mother, for his brother or for his sister when they die, because the Nazarite vow to his God is on his head. All the days of his Nazarite vow he is holy to Yahweh. But if a man dies very suddenly beside him, and he defiles the head of hair during his Nazarite vow, then he shall shave his head on the day when he becomes clean. He shall shave it on the seventh day. Then on the eighth day he shall bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons to the priest to the doorway of the tent of meeting. And the priest shall offer one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering, and make atonement for him concerning his sin because of the dead person. And that same day he shall set apart his head as holy, and shall dedicate to Yahweh the days of his Nazarite vow, and shall bring a male lamb a year old for a guilt offering. But the former days will be void because his Nazarite vow was defiled. Now this is the law of the Nazarite. When the days of his Nazarite vow are fulfilled, he shall bring the offering to the doorway of the tent of meeting, and he shall bring his offering near to Yahweh, one male lamb a year old without blemish for a burnt offering, and one ewe lamb a year old without blemish for a sin offering, and one ram without blemish for a peace offering, and a basket of unleavened cakes of fine flour mixed with oil and unleavened wafers spread with oil, along with their grain offering and their drink offering. 
then the priest shall bring them near before Yahweh, and shall offer his sin offering and his burnt offering. He shall also offer with the ram a sacrifice of peace offerings to Yahweh, together with the basket of unleavened cakes. The priest shall likewise offer its grain offering and its drink offering. The Nazarite shall then shave the head of hair for his Nazarite vow at the doorway of the tent of meeting, and take the hair of his head of his Nazarite vow and put it on the fire which is under the sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall take the, man's, uh, the ram's shoulder when it has been boiled, and one unleavened cake out of the basket, and one unleavened wafer, and shall put them on the hands of the Nazarite after he has shaved the hair of his Nazarite vow. Then the priest shall wave them for a wave offering before Yahweh. It is holy for the priest, together with the breast offered by waving, and the thigh offered by raising up, and afterward the Nazarite may drink wine. This is the law of the Nazarite, who vows his offering to Yahweh, according to his Nazarite vow, in addition to what else he can afford, according to his vow which he takes, so he shall do according to the law of his Nazarite vow. Then Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and to his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the sons of Israel. You shall say to them, Yahweh bless you and keep you. Yahweh make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Yahweh lift up his face on you and give you peace. So they shall invoke my name on the sons of Israel, and I then will bless them. So that right there, 24, 25, 26 of chapter 6, is one of the one of the standard um, benedictions that you'll find in the in the in the scriptures. All right, so number seven. Just wanted to point that out because you're going to see one in Hebrews 13 too. All right, number seven. Here's a long one. Belt in. Now it happened on that on the day that Moses had finished setting up the tabernacle that he anointed it and set it apart as holy with all its furnishings and the altar and all its utensils. He anointed them and set them apart as holy. Then the leaders of Israel, the heads of their father's households, brought an offering near. They were the leaders of the tribes. They were the ones who were over the numbered men. And they brought their offering before Yahweh, six covered carts and twelve oxen, a cart for every two of the leaders and an ox for each one. And they brought them near before the tabernacle. Then Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Accept these things from them, that they may be used in the service of the tent of meeting, and you shall give them to the Levites, to each man according to his service. So Moses took the carts and the oxen and gave them to the Levites. Two carts and four oxen he gave to the sons of Gershon according to their service, and four carts and eight oxen he gave to the sons of Merari according to their service under the direction of Ithamar, the son of Aaron the priest. But he did not give any to the sons of Kohath, because theirs was the service of the holy objects, which they carried on the shoulder. And the leaders brought near the dedication offering for the altar when it was anointed. So the leaders brought their offering near before the altar. Then Yahweh said to Moses, Let them bring their offering near, one liter, liter each day, for the dedication of the altar. Now the one who brought his offering near on the first day was Nashon, the son of Abinadab of the tribe of Judah. And his offering was one silver dish, whose weight was a hundred and thirty shekels, one silver bowl of seventy shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering, one gold pan of ten shekels full of incense, one bull from the herd, one ram, one male lamb, one year old, for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and for the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, five male lambs, one year old. This was the offering of Nashon, the son of Aminadab. On the second day, Nethanel, the son of Zuar, leader of Issachar, brought an offering near. 
He brought near as his offering one silver dish whose weight was 130 shekels, one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering, one gold pan of 10 shekels full of incense, one bull from the herd, one ram, one male lamb one year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and for the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, five male lambs one year old. This was the offering of Nethanel, the son of Zuar. On the third day, it was Eliab, the son of Helon, leader of the sons of Zebulun. His offering was one silver dish whose weight was 130 shekels, one silver bowl of 70 shekels according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering, one gold pan of 10 shekels full of incense, one bull from the herd, one ram, one male lamb, one year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and for the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, five male lambs, one year old. This was the offering of Eliab, the son of Helon. On the fourth day, it was Elizur, the son of Shedir, leader of the sons of Reuben. His offering was one silver dish whose weight was 130 shekels, one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering, one gold pan of 10 shekels full of incense, one bull from the herd, one ram, one male lamb, one year old, for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and for the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, five male lambs, one year old. This was the offering of Eleazar, the son of Shedir. On the fifth day it was Shalumiel, the son of Zerushadai, leader of the sons of Simeon. His offering was one silver dish whose weight was 130 shekels, one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering, one gold pan of 10 shekels full of incense, one bull from the herd, one ram, one male lamb, one year old, for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and for the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, five male lambs, one year old. This was the offering of Shalumiel, the son of Zerushadai. Of the sixth day, it was Eliasaph, the son of Deoel, leader of the sons of Gad. His offering was one silver dish whose weight was 130 shekels, one silver bowl of 70 shekels according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering, one gold pan of 10 shekels full of incense, one bull from the herd, one ram, one male lamb, one year old, for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and for the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, five male lambs, one year old. This was the offering of Eliasaph, the son of Deuel. On the seventh day it was Elishama, the son of Amihud, leader of the sons of Ephraim. His offering was one silver dish whose weight was 130 shekels, one silver bowl of 70 shekels according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering, one gold pan of ten shekels full of incense, one bull from the herd, one ram, one male lamb, one year old, for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and for the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, five male lambs, one year old. This was the offering of Elishama, the son of Amihud. On the eighth day it was Gamaliel, the son of Pedazur, leader of the sons of Manasseh. His offering was one silver dish whose weight was 130 shekels, one silver bowl of 70 shekels according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering, one gold pan of 10 shekels full of incense, one bull from the herd, one ram, one male lamb, 
one year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and for the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, five male lambs, one year old. This was the offering of Gamaliel, the son of Pedazur. On the ninth day it was Abidan, the son of Gideoni, leader of the sons of Benjamin. His offering was one silver dish whose weight was 130 shekels, one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour, mixed with oil for a grain offering. One gold pan of ten shekels full of incense. One bull from the herd, one ram, one male lamb, one year old, for a burnt offering. One male goat for a sin offering. And for the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, five male lambs, one year old. This was the offering of Abidan, the son of Gideoni. On the tenth day it was Ahiezer, the son of Amishadai, leader of the sons of Dan. His offering was one silver dish whose weight was 130 shekels, one silver bowl of 70 shekels according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering, one gold pan of 10 shekels full of incense, one bull from the herd, one ram, one male lamb, one year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and for the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, five male, five male lambs, one year old, this was the offering of Ahizer, the son of Amishadai. On the eleventh day it was Pagiel, the son of Okran, leader of the sons of Asher. His offering was one silver dish whose weight was 130 shekels, one silver bowl of 70 shekels according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering, one gold pan of ten shekels full of incense, one bull from the herd, one ram, one male lamb, one year old, for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and for the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, five male lambs, one year old. This was the offering of Pagiel, the son of Okran. On the twelfth day it was Ahira, the son of Enan, leader of the sons of Naphtali. His offering was one silver dish whose weight was 130 shekels, one silver bowl of 70 shekels according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering, one gold pan of 10 shekels full of incense, one bull from the herd, one ram, one male lamb one year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and for the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, five male lambs one year old. This was the offering of Ahira, the son of Enan. This was the dedication offering for the altar from the leaders of Israel when it was anointed, twelve silver dishes, twelve silver bowls, twelve gold pans, each silver dish weighing 130 shekels and each bowl 70. All the silver of the utensils was 2,400 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. The twelve gold pans full of incense, weighing ten shekels apiece, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. All the gold of the pans, 120 shekels. All the oxen for the burnt offering, twelve bulls, all the rams, twelve, the male lambs, one year old, with their grain offering, twelve, and the male goats for a sin offering, twelve, and all the oxen for the sacrifice of peace offerings, twenty-four bulls, all the rams, sixty, the male goats, sixty, the male lambs, one year old, sixty. This was the dedication offering for the altar before it was anointed. Now when Moses went into the tent of meeting to speak with him, he heard the voice speaking to him from above the mercy seat that was on the ark of the testimony, from between the two cherubim, so he spoke to him. <sighs> I told you that one was going to be long. All right, Hebrews 13. Let love of the brothers continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember the prisoners as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you yourselves also are in the body. Marriage is to be held in honor among all, 
and the marriage bed is to be undefiled, for the sexually immoral and adulterers God will judge. Make sure that your way of life is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So that we confidently say, confidently say, the Lord is my help, helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace and not by foods, through which those who were so occupied were not benefited. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no authority to eat, for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as an offering for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside the gate. So let us go out to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the one to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of lips that confess his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account, so that they will do this with joy and not with groaning, for this would be unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we are convinced that we have a good conscience, desiring to conduct ourselves well in all things. And I urge you all the more to do this, so that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, our Lord Jesus, equip you in every good thing to do his will by doing in us what is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. But I urge you, brothers, bear with this word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. Know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom, if he comes soon, I will see you. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Excuse me, and all the saints. Those from Italy greet you. Grace be with you all. All right, and like I said, verse 20 through 21 is another of those benedictions. All right, well, that is our reading for the day. And again, so part of the reason I'm doing this is, one, I've got a horrific headache, and it, I've had it most of the day. Um, so I just really wasn't up for doing the Bible study, though I've got all the notes. Sorry, I needed a little water there. Um, but at the same time, I thought about it that I really wanted to talk to you about something here real quick. And like I said, it has to do with... Um, uh, that's what it is. Okay, there we go. So, um, I will not be here tomorrow. I mean, as I said, I'm recording this Thursday night, so you'll listen to it Friday morning, but I will not be at home Friday morning. I will not be working. I'm taking the day off and I'm taking the day off because I am going to be joining members from my church at a March for life up in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, I live down in Tucson. Our March for life already happened. Um, so I'm going to be at a March for life in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, Obviously, the purpose of this is we are trying to stand up against abortion. Uh, we do not we do not believe in abortion. We do not believe abortion is acceptable. Um, thus, why we are going. Um, and I'm actually going to pull up the flyer. So, if you're in the Phoenix area, the Arizona March for Life 
is happening tomorrow, March 1st, 2024. Um, Going to be meeting before the march at Wesley Bolin Memorial Plaza, 1700 West Washington Street, Phoenix, Arizona. It's 85007. Uh, the rally is happening at 11 and then the march is starting at noon. Um, and so bringing that up, I want to talk about the subject. Um, cause I, I never really have, I, I think I've mentioned it a few times in passing. Um, but I don't think I've ever really sat and nailed this down and made clear my position. So let me be clear with you. I am not pro-life. Now you're going to be sitting there going, wait a minute. Let me clarify. I'm not pro-life. I'm an abolitionist. I am definitely an abolitionist. I used to be pro-life. I am definitely an abolitionist. I believe in abolishing abortion completely. Now, of course, I, I know people are going to go, well, wait a minute. Well, what about this? Well, what about that? Well, what about this? Well, we're going to talk about that. Again, this is not going to be a huge discussion, but we're going to talk about this. What I'm going to suggest to you first, um, and I've not finished reading the book yet, but many I know have, and they say this is the great a great book to read. It is called The Case for Life. It's called It's Equipping Christians to Engage the Culture. And it is by Scott Klusendorf. It is definitely, I, I, it's definitely going to be, it's definitely worth the read. And it's definitely in this topic area. Okay. Like I said, I am, I am seriously an abolitionist. I do not believe in abortion in any way, shape or form. Um, so I let's, let's, I want to lay out some ground rules to begin with. Okay. Less than 1%, an extreme small percentage less than 1% of, of abortions have to do or, or would be in any way related with rape or incest or, or health risk to the mother. Okay. So very, very small portion have anything to do with I mean, very, very small infinitesimal have anything to do with that. So let's clarify when we're discussing abortion the majority of the abortion discussion is to be is being used as birth control not for those other cases let's be clear it's due to promiscuity due to promiscuity and in most cases promiscuity outside the bonds of marriage that is a place where you step up and you take responsibility you don't commit murder to get rid of it. Okay. And yes, I want to be very, very clear. Abortion is murder. Okay. Uh, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to hurt people. I'm trying to be clear. Abortion is murder. Okay. And of course people are going to make the arguments. Well, wait a minute. It, it's, you don't even have a heartbeat till this point, blah, 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 blah. Well, so let's be clear. Whether you like it or not, the ultimate authority on what is and is not life is God because he creates it. So let's see what God says. Let's see. Let's see what God says through his prophet David in Psalm 139. For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. You wove me in my mother's womb. That's verse 13 in Psalm 139. 
My frame was not hidden from you, verse 15, when I was made in secret. God knew him in the womb. This wasn't an afterbirth. This wasn't at first heartbeat. This was this wasn't at the fifth month, fourth month, sixth month, 20 week, 21 week, whatever. Even Jeremiah, God told him clearly as a prophet. Now the word of Yahweh came to me saying, verse four, Jeremiah one, before I formed you in the innermost parts, I knew you. And before you came out from the womb, I set you apart. I have given you as a prophet to the nations. Okay. These are not two special cases. This is God dealing with man. That he knew us before we came out of the womb. He knew us in the womb. He knew us before we were formed. The fact is, he's very, very clear that he knew us before the foundation of the world. Before we were even conceived, he knew us. So what, I'm sorry, whether you like it or not, that makes the clear case for the fact that at conception, there is life. And I want to be absolutely clear with you. At conception, there is life and it is distinct life because it is part of the DNA of the mother and part of the DNA of the father. So it is, it is unique in and of itself. The fact is you can have another one nine months later and its DNA will be absolutely distinct. Even though same mother, same father, its DNA will be absolutely distinct. My, me and my brother, born a little over two years apart, same mother, same father, DNA absolutely distinct between the two of us. We are, we are, we are, we have, we do not have the same DNA. It, it is similar enough that they can tell we're brothers, but it is distinct. His would not be mistaken for mine. Mine would not be mistaken for his. Understood? So what I'm saying to you that at conception, that life, whether you want to admit it or not, has its own distinct DNA. It is a life. And it is not the mother's body. So that the, the my body, my choice, absolutely. But you know what? Two things here. One, your choice was at the point that you got ready to have sex. And I don't just put that on the women. That's on the men too. And I'm sorry, the men out there, uh, way too many of them are dogs. They, they need to control themselves. But the same is true for the women too. Your moment of choice was before you had unprotected sex. Not at the point that there is a new life within you. That's not your choice anymore because that life is not yours. That life is not yours. You had a choice, a chance to make the right choice and you didn't. The fact is, not only should you, and, and I won't even advocate for using birth control, you shouldn't have done it. And, and I say that having been, been someone who, who is not proud of what my past was, but I know exactly what I tried to teach my children. So, sorry. It, it, well, actually, I'm not sorry. It is a life. It is a distinct life. And the only response and the, the, the key responsibility you have is making sure it comes to birth safely not to kill it. Because let's be very, very clear. Again, the ultimate authority on this is God. Genesis 9, 5 and 6. Surely I will require your life lifeblood. From every living thing, I will require it. And from every man, from each man's brother, I will require the life of man. Whoever sheds man's blood, 
by man his blood shall be shed, for in the image of God he made man. If you commit abortion, if you ask, and, and I'm sorry, I, I will say this, and, and this is going to be unpopular, but I'm sorry, if you were a mother or a mother and a father, or and, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that whether you're married or not, you're the mother and father of that unborn child. And again, I'm calling it a child because it is a child, whether it's born or not, of that unborn child. And you request somebody to commit abortion upon it, to commit murder on it. You are committing murder on an image bearer of God. And God said, whoever sheds man's blood by man, his blood shall be shed. You are guilty of murder. Leviticus 24, 17. If a man strikes down the life of any human being, he shall surely be put to death. Will those little lives, except for age and development, are human lives at conception? So if you strike down the life of any human being, even the one right at conception, God says he shall surely be put to death. Exodus 21, 12, he who strikes a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. Well, I'm sorry. If you put the scalpel in the abortionist's hands, you're as guilty as they are. And we're as guilty as they are if we don't call you out. That's why I'm participating in this. Again, we had talked about it when we had Sanctity of Life Sunday at our church and Pastor Jay was preaching on it and he nailed it for me. This really hammered it home is that yes, those who participate in it are guilty. But we who stand here, even though we disagree with it and say and do nothing, are as guilty. And that's me. I, I'm, I'm sitting there while I'm talking to you. I'm looking in the mirror because I've said nothing. Let me be very, very clear. I am absolutely against abortion. My, had my mother not been given up for adoption, I would not be here. Had my wife not been given up for adoption, my sons would not be here. There are, I'm sorry, there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of families out there wanting to adopt, murdering the unborn is not the answer and never has been. I, 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 I'm sorry. It makes clear that our culture is a culture of Belial where, or, or a culture, uh, what was the other one? Um, that they used to, they used to push the, put their kids through the fire. Basically they sacrificed them. They threw them on the fire and burned up their own children. That's what, that's what you are. That's what we are. We are a culture of death. If we are participating in, if we are trying to support abortion, if we're trying to say it's the woman's choice to kill their children or the woman and man's choice, because way too often it's men pushing the women to do it. Don't get me wrong. I, I guarantee if you start to look into the stats, you find out that the majority of men are pushing the women into doing it. So it's as much the men's fault as the women's fault. So, but, but I'm sorry, if you're sitting there supporting that and saying that it's up to them to make that choice, absolutely not. Absolutely not. We are, that makes us a culture of murder, a culture of death. We are a culture of death if that's what we support. And I refuse to be a part of it anymore. And so I'm going to go, I'm going to go March. Now I've, I've got two knees that need to be replaced. I'm, I'm, I'm worse than bone on bone in both knees. And I'm going to go walk this mile, mile and a half. Now, again, it's only a mile, mile and a half. Fact is what, eight years ago I ran 13.1 miles. I ran a half marathon. Um, believe me, I'm not in anywhere near the shape and my knees are a lot worse than they were then, but I'm going to go walk this. 
because I need to be a part of showing clearly to our, to our government that we do not accept this, that this is not acceptable, that trying to come up with arbitrary numbers, I'm sorry, both guys, both guys that seem to be the front runners for the two different parties going in, neither of them are people that I support on this matter because both of them want to throw arbitrary numbers on this arbitrary numbers of weeks. No, at conception, it is a distinct life and it deserves protection. Absolutely and completely. And we must stop kowtowing. And I'm sorry, if you're sitting there and professing to be a Christian, yet you want to be supportive, you're not willing to stand up and say no, you really need to look in the face. I'm not going to say you're not. I'm not going to say you're not saved. That's not, that's between you and God. And again, it's your conscience you got to deal with, but you better look in the mirror because again, that, that right there, I, I um, here, I, I'm, um, I'm going to bring you the verses that, that are convicting for me. This is why I bring these to you that are convicting for me. Romans 1, starting verse 28, going through the end of the chapter. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them over to an unfit mind to do those things which are not proper, having been filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, violent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, unmerciful, and although they know the righteous requirement of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. Let me be clear to you that if you are not standing up and opposing abortion at any point, You are right here at the end of verse 30, 32. They not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. And I know, but I'm not giving hearty approval. If you're not saying anything, you're giving hearty approval to it. If we're not saying anything, I say you, I should say we. If we're not saying anything, and I've been one of those, that I knew what my position was, I just wasn't willing to step up and say something about it. Well, guess what? It's time for us to step up and say something about it. If we claim to be Christians, then the whole world are our neighbors. You remember the story of the Good Samaritan, the man beside the road? We'll swap that man out for an unborn baby. Isn't it our responsibility to care for them, to help bring them to life, to, to a full life, to bring them to, to term, to help them grow? So we can provide them the gospel so they can come to a saving faith. That is our mission field. That unborn baby is our mission field. That, that unborn baby's mother and father are our mission field. And so we've got to bring this to them. We've got to make it clear that this isn't okay. Because the fact is what we're doing is we're out there selling whether we mean to or not. Again, we're right here, Romans 132. But also giving hearty approval to those who practice them. Because we stay silent, they assume it's okay. It's not. It's murder. It's murder. And I know way too many people 
that have participated in it or were forced to participate in it, that it continues to hurt their life. It continues to hurt them. And it doesn't have to be in a physical way that it tears at their soul, that it tears at their psyche, that it tears at their heart, that they either chose it or were forced into it by somebody in authority. There's nothing good that comes out of it. There's absolutely nothing good that comes out of abortion because let's be clear. Let's go back to the supposed, the supposed, the, the fringe cases that everybody and that are in the less than 1%. Actually, they're, I think they're like less than a half a percent of the totality that are, that are the rape, the incest and, and the mother's health. If the mother's health is so badly at issue, so is the child's. And there's a real good probability that that child is going to be stillborn anyways because it won't be able to come to a viable completion. So you ain't got to kill it. It'll die out and the, it, it'll die itself. And it will, that, that poor child will be delivered stillborn and that mother will go on living. And the majority of the cases, actually the huge majority of the cases as for incest or rape, as horrible as those are out of some of the most horrible things, the most wonderful gifts come and I'm sorry, you cannot look at a baby and not see it as a gift. I'm sorry. I, I, I get it. And I hear, you know, people go, oh, well, rape. Then I got to remember that horrible occurrence. And again, I've, I've not been raped. I'm not trying to say I have any clue what that feels like. Okay. I'm not trying to judge any of that, but I've come across way too many cases where the victims of rape have been so totally and completely blessed by that child that they had from it. And that they wouldn't give that child up for the world. So don't tell me that that's the right choice. Because the fact is, most of the people that are beefing about that and saying that are not people that have ever experienced that. So they don't know what they're talking about. It, that, that's like, a, that, that's like a, a bunch of, and I'm sorry, that's like a bunch of dumb white people running around and arguing about racism and, and privilege against black people. I, they can advocate for themselves. They don't need you advocating for them. They can, they can handle it themselves. They are more than intelligent enough and more than capable enough to advocate for themselves. So you don't need to do it. You're just looking, you're just looking for a flavor of the month to be agitated about and you need to go on and get a life. But again, so the whole purpose that I won't be here tomorrow is going to be a March for life. And again, I'm marching for abolition. Abortion needs to go away. Abortion needs to be completely and totally criminalized. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it is murder. And it is murder of an image bearer of God. And God is very, very clear. Now, I'm not saying they should be put to death. We have our own legal system. But I think our legal system needs to be, new laws need to be put on the books. And I think people need to be punished appropriately. Because they are committing murder. They are committing murder. And especially as it goes on from here. So, okay, I've ranted and raved for the last 20-something minutes. And most of you probably have already tuned out. Um, and I've probably hurt some feelings and angered some people. And I need you to know, I say the things I'm saying because I love you. And I know what the scripture says. And, I, and, and from the scripture... I know how God feels about this. We all know how God feels about this. The only people who claim we don't are the people that don't want to admit and deal with what God says about this. 
because they want to do it their own way. Well, you need to know something. We need to know something. That if we're truly going to walk the worthy walk that Paul speaks of in Ephesians 4 through 6, that Christian walk, that walk of sanctification, then we got to do it God's way, not ours. And God's way says that abortion is an ab abomination. 100% of abortion is an abomination. And we must resist it. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today. Thank you for, sp for spending this time. If you stayed this long, I'm very grateful. Thank you. Um, God willing, we will pick back up the Bible study on Monday evening. Let's go ahead and close out with the six-day evening prayer. It's called the Mediator. Let's pray. O God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we hope in thy word. There we see thee not on a fearful throne of judgment, but on a throne of grace, waiting to be gracious and exalted in mercy. There we hear thee saying, Not depart ye cursed, but look unto me, and be ye saved. For I am God, and there is none else. They that know thy name put their trust in thee. How many now glorified in heaven, and what numbers living on earth are thy witnesses, O God, exemplifying in their recovery from the ruins of the fall, the freeness, riches, and efficacy of thy grace. All that were ever saved were saved by thee, and will through eternity exclaim, Not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and truth's sake. Thou hast chosen to transact all thy concerns with us through a mediator, in whom all fullness dwells, and who is exalted to be prince and savior. To him we look, on him we depend, through him we are justified. May we derive relief from his sufferings without ceasing to abhor sin, or to long after holiness. Feel the double efficacy of his blood, tranquilizing and cleansing our consciences. Delight in his service as well as in his sacrifice. Be constrained by his love to live not to ourselves but to him. Cherish a grateful and cheerful disposition, not murmuring and repining if our wishes are not indulged, or because some trials are blended with our enjoyments, but sensible of our desert, and impressed with the number and greatness of thy benefits. May we bless and praise thee at all times. Amen. All right. Okay. Well, again, that's going to do it for the day. I thank you for spending the, spending this time with me. I would continue to implore you to do all that you do for the glory of God. Um, I do want to let you know, I'm going to put a link to, um, the, the case for life, the book I mentioned from Scott Klusendorf. I'm also going to put a link at the bottom to, um, it's the Twitter, um, live feed from our worship service back on January 21st. That was Sanctity of Life Sunday. And my pastor spoke on this. Um, and I, 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 it is a must listen. It is a must listen. It is definitely worth your while to take time with it. Believe me, he's, he's much more articulate about the subject than I am. Um, so I would encourage you to listen to it. I would encourage you to listen to it. But again, I hope you have yourself a wonderful day, a wonderful weekend. Um, please, please, please worship with the saints this weekend. If you can't physically join us, we will be broadcasting on Sunday at 1230 PM, um, Eastern time. Um, on Facebook at Vale Valley Baptist Church and on Twitter at at VVB Church. So please join us if you cannot worship locally. Um, have a great day and God bless. Mm -hmm.